More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in everybody to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show on this Tuesday, March 1st, State of the Union Day. Oh my, going to be a creative writing exercise for those last minute changes to this speech, that's for sure. I think it would be amazing if the president, Joe Biden, would just come out and be honest and say the state of our union is not so good because I'm bad at this job. Maybe somebody (laughs) else should take over. I mean, it would be an amazing political moment. I don't expect anyone thinks that's going to happen, but we will tell you what will be talked about tonight. We'll get into some of the previews out there in the political media some of the major themes our theme of course is joe biden is i thought he was going to be bad at this clay thought he was going to be bad at being president he has exceeded our expectations in badness i think there's there's no question about that but there's one thing that is near and dear to our hearts here on the show right now um and of course later on we'll give you updates on on everything else in the new cycle we will talk in a deep dive session about the escalation and the, and a situation in Ukraine getting worse, as I anticipated it would. This is not going to be quick. This is not going to be uh, a limited conflict in terms of duration, I think, or even, well, we'll get there in a bit. But in the meantime, we wanted to talk to you about the mask situation. Because, Clay, I think this is in many ways the perfect preview of what we should all expect tonight. Because mask got, masks all of a sudden... Dropping all over the place. I no longer get the angry stares of, you're an evil granny killer. When I walk into a a coffee shop, whatever, with a mask on here in New York, all of a sudden, like magic, Jen Psaki wants to say this about the whole situation. I would say the president is very powerful, but he couldn't make us be in the green zone that we're in right now in D.C. That's why we are not uh, required. We're not going to be required to wear masks starting tomorrow. So uh, I would say that for him, it had nothing to do with the timing around the State of the Union. Uh, He wanted to give the CDC the time to assess and make recommendations that would be clear to the American public about uh, what their recommendations would be for mask wearing moving forward. I just real quick, Clay, I just would say. If anyone believes that, I don't even care what their part. If anyone believes that, please don't vote. 
because you, you are you are not able to think through problems of politics and policy in a way that is even remotely sound. It is the most obvious lie anybody could ever conjure. And she's saying it all the time. It It is. Think about this, Buck. Friday, the CDC comes out with new guidelines. Those new guidelines, by the way, are what allows there to be a green area. Because make no mistake, the overall rate of COVID infection right now is still wildly higher than it was for much of last year. And certainly wildly higher than it was for much of 2020 when everything shut down. There are way more cases of COVID right now than there were in March of 2020 when we did 15 days to stop the spread. Remember all that insanity two years ago? The reason why masks are now being removed is because the CDC redefined what the overall characterization of high levels of spread and everything else were. So this is 100% a political decision. This is about the political science, not the science at all. And what's so frustrating to many of us is we've known this for so long that this was what was going to happen. And the fact that you've got the CDC on Friday, Buck, you've got New York State and New York City over the weekend announcing their changes. You've got California, Washington, and Oregon announcing their changes. All of that happening before Joe Biden speaks tonight because Joe Biden's pollsters came out, Buck, and said, you're getting hammered on this. We have to change the trajectory. You need to declare victory against COVID and move on because that's where the American public now is. But the problem is that's not good enough. And this is what we're going to continue to hammer off and on. You may get tired of us saying it for the next eight months. First of all, they're going to bring back COVID restrictions. Like even now they're saying, well, we're doing away with this now while we can, but we may bring them back masks on kids social distancing, vaccine mandates, all of that. So it's not going away. It's going away for some places for right now. That's why the midterms have to be an evisceration. And I appreciated what you said, Buck, because I think it's the it's the message that Republicans should run with. Biden's a disaster, but the 2022 midterms, while being partly a referendum on Biden, are really a referendum on all the senators and congressmen and your school board members and your local administrators and your local officials who did this to us and were wrong about everything. There have to be consequences for all of these people being wrong about everything, and those consequences need to be a red wave the likes of which we have not seen. Everybody needs to be a single-issue voter, and it's COVID failure. That's what you are casting your ballot about. You're either voting for freedom or voting for tyranny. This fall, everyone should know this. That is actually a true way to put the choice that is before the American people in the midterm election. And I know that it's only March, but friends, it's this is going to creep up, uh, creep up on us fast. And the people who have been in charge, who have been so wrong about everything, they're not humbled. They're not sorry. They're not sitting around thinking, how can we do better next time? They're only their only thought process really in terms of what will guide their actions and how they will conduct themselves, whether it's Biden, Democrats in the Senate, the House, all the blue check doctors that have been on CNN and MSNBC and writing for the New York Times, Washington Post constantly over two years who are wrong about basically everything. 
Yes. None of them are saying to themselves, wow, maybe we should have listened to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show more, which would have been a smart thing for them to come away thinking. That's how bad things were, Buck. If you and I had been in charge of American COVID policy, the country would be in an infinitely better place. The economy would be better. Mental health across the country would be better. Kids would be better Kids educated. would be better off. Focus more on protecting and getting every single senior. Think about the... Think about the messaging damage. And, and I, I, I know we have the whole other state of the union. We're going to get into the economy and how they're going to try to spin inflation. This is going to be really tough. You know, this is like this is going to be the waiter who shows up and is charging you three times as much for your dinner as you thought it was going to be and is explaining to you. It's not that expensive. It's not that bad. This is fine. You love those French fries. Anyway, Clay, the the, the reality of what we have seen here during during covid is a collapse of the elites in real time a collapse of their credibility a collapse of their uh i i would hope this is the part of it that remains to be determined their ability to control us going forward and they're going to fight with everything they have against this they're they're not thinking to themselves hold on a second what is it that we can do here that will bring the country back together all that really matters is maintaining power staying in charge and being in a position to do all this stuff to us again. And yeah, if we had been in a charge, a charge of the country, it would have been better. Think of how much, if instead of trying to convince five-year-olds, oh, I, I saw, I think you shared that data, Clay. Yes. Vaccine boosters for, what was it, five to 12-year-olds? Vaccines themselves for five to 11-year-olds have had virtually zero impact in limiting your the kids of getting infected. So... Everybody out there who rushed, and I said straight up, people are going to call you anti-vax. I didn't get my five-year-old vaxxed, uh, now seven-year-old. I didn't get my 11-year-old vaxxed. I'm not going to do it, okay? Five to 11-year-olds, zero positive result when it comes to rates of infection based on getting the COVID shot. And by the way, that's written in the New York Times. Even the New York Times is writing it for people out there who are like, oh, I don't know that I trust that data. If you ran out and got your 5 to 11-year-old vaxxed for COVID, you got them zero positive impact effectively. They didn't need the vax to start with, but they had the vax had no impact on whether or not they got COVID. And yet we could just go back three or four months and people were in hysterics about waiting to get their children vaccinated. Oh, my gosh, little Timmy, little Susie. And all the kids crying like, oh, we could finally get the COVID shot. It's child abuse that they had made their kids think they were afraid. Think of all the sociopaths that were taking photos of themselves with their with their writhing, crying children, getting a shot in the arm. They were the adults were trying to show everybody how seriously they take the virus. These people are idiots. And it's terrifying we have to share a country with so many millions of lib idiots. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I actually thought. And this has been a, a a change in my perception of people around me. I thought even like the Democrats that I grew up around and with in New York City would be far more rational during COVID than they were. I know I wasn't going to get them to agree with me on a lot of other things, but I figured they could realize that building a little miniature restaurant outside of a restaurant <laughs> wasn't actually doing anything from an epidemiological point of view. I, I figured they could they could understand that when every single study shows that there's almost zero globally transmission of COVID outside, racing around New York City on a bicycle with an N95 mask on is psychotic. I was wrong. I was wrong. They were crazier than I thought. And, and for people who ask me, why am I so angry at Fauci. I, I see this all in my Twitter thread, you know, Twitter responses, which I try to not look at unless it's someone on our team, you know, one of our people. 
Um, but I, I see people will say, Fauci did the best he can. You could have done any better. Really? There was an alternate way to go. We talked about the alternate way to go. There was the Great Barrington Declaration. The fact that there were seniors still who who didn't get vaccinated and many of whom were distrustful of this whole situation because of how much it was politicized just goes to show you the messaging was a massive failure. Imagine if we had all been united, as you and I would. We said all along, our parents. I love nobody in the world more than I love my parents. Right. You feel the same way. I mean, you know, you love your immediate family members more than anything else. My parents were vaccinated and boosted. You said it, too. Imagine if we could have been united as a country on, look, guys, this really is a disease that threatens those 65 and up. We really know this. We all agree on this. Let's make sure all of them know that it's really in their interest, not mandating it, but really in in their interest to get the shot. It's a lot harder to make that case when Fauci's running around saying, I think your five-year-old is going to need an eight-dose regimen, (laughs) maybe 12 doses. You know, people understandably see that and say these people are lunatics. And when college kids are protesting because they're not having to wear masks. I mean, the the entirety, and, and, and this is a good debate question that we should have, I think, going forward. Now that every mask mandate's being basically ended and the vax mandates are being ended, when in the world are they going to take it off for airplanes? Right? I mean, because that's the last place. And as the Southwest Airlines and American Airlines uh, CEO said under oath, actually based on the recirculated air, the safest place probably that you could be is on an airplane when it comes to uh, to whether or not COVID is spreading there. But this idea that we have to continue this cosmetic theater of sitting around and pulling down your mask while you take a drink and then putting it back up and wearing it inside of the airports in general, it's madness. Clay, it's absolute madness. You and I understand this, and and our people, our extended family, which is everyone listening to this across the country, they understand this too. This isn't over when they stop with these Amen. mandates. It's over when they admit the mandates were wrong. And had no impact. Which is really why we played that Saturday Night Live skit, because this is where we say team rationality is gaining members every single day. And it's taken some people a long time to come on board. But when Saturday Night Live is doing that skit, if you didn't see it, you can go see it on Twitter. We played it uh, for you. I think it's up at clayandbuck.com. When they're making fun of the ridiculousness of, uh, of all these restrictions, they're basically acknowledging that they had no impact. That's what they're doing. They're not saying it directly, but that's basically what they're not acknowledging. Don't you wish fixing your car was simple? Cars today have more tech and with it a more complicated and expensive repair bill. That's why so many people are getting a protection plan through CarShield. Whether your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles, CarShield has monthly coverage options for all budgets. They make it easy to get your car fixed when you need covered repairs. You choose the mechanic you trust. CarShield administrators take care of the rest. Plans through CarShield even provide rental car options as well as roadside assistance and trip reimbursement all at no extra cost. CarShields help millions of drivers. That's why they're America's number one auto protection company. Getting coverage is as easy as one, two, three. Contact CarShield for your free quote. Two, tell them about your vehicle. And three, choose the type of protection you need. That's it. Get coverage today. Go to carshield.com slash Clay and Buck or call 800-391-8888 to save 10% on your plan. That's carshield.com slash Clay and Buck or you can call 
800-391-8888 to save 10%. A deductible may apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Play Travis Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Buck, it's possible that I'm going to be able to come up to New York City again at some point soon as New York City is uh, basically planning to do away with the mask mandates and the COVID vaccine mandates. But there's one absurdity here. That deserves to be talked about because it still points to how crazy many of these rules are. Kyrie Irving refused to get vaccinated. He's a player for the Brooklyn Nets team. And he now, under the new New York City rules, is still not going to be able to play in games in New York City. But he can sit courtside and watch them 
And also, any player who's unvaccinated that travels to New York City can play in games. And Eric Adams got asked about this absurdity, uh, the new mayor of New York City, and he had this to say. Listen, I want Kyrie on the court. You know, I would do anything to get that ring. <laughs> I say, you know, so badly I want, I want it. But there's so much at stake here. And, you know, I, I spoke with the owner of the team. We want to find a way to get Kyrie on the court, but this is a big issue. And I, it was sending the wrong message just to have an, an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed. Is this is about punishing those who don't comply? Obvious, yes, right. I mean, there's and there's no at this point health re- requirement, none. right? Because you think about this again, he can sit courtside, eat popcorn, have a soda, have a beer, no issue. Uh, and this is about still trying to punish people over whether or not they got the vaccine. I've seen videos of of high school, junior high kids in places like New York playing basketball. And then they all mask up when they sit on the bench. But when they're actually, yeah. you know, right up against each other, playing the game, breathing, and they're spit flying yes. it or everything else, you know, no mask. It, it's not about the science. I mean, this is what uh, people have been at, like. How did I know that masks work? How did we know the masks were going to do anything? One of the easiest ways was that early on, Clay, we would talk about actual human usage versus yes. theoretical laboratory testing. Human usage of a mask, which we all know because we've had to wear these stupid things for two years, is pull it up, pull it down, move it over, put it on, take it off. That is, you know, imagine I sent you into a a room with mustard gas and said, take your gas mask off, breathe a few minutes, put it back on, take it off. You'd be like, well, I'm getting exposed to the gas. Nobody, it, it was impossible, the arguments that they were making, impossibly stupid arguments. It was like the people on the airplanes, remember the the airline attendants used to tell you to put your Kindle away? Because it was an electronic device. I don't know if you, there was a time when you couldn't have a Kindle in your hand. Yes. Because it con- constituted, it might create a, I was like, if this electronic interference can crash or interfere with this plane in any way, we're in trouble. We are all going to die. All right. This, yeah. this, this, there'll be planes falling out of the sky all the time. And they finally got rid of that because it was too stupid. But this is where, this is where we've gone now, Clay. They're clinging to the things that are so dumb that no serious person can believe them. Like this Even- policy with Kyrie Irving. It, like the Kyrie Irving and even crazier kids, right? Anybody who's ever watched a kid, the idea that kids wearing masks were going to somehow protect people inside of schools was laughably absurd. Hey, Fauci needs some PR these days. He needs some. Uh, he hasn't had any reps on TV. Maybe or he'll radio. come on our show. Maybe now. he should come on. He could explain yeah. to me how mask up between bites is scientific. The evil little tyrant. I love coffee. I live on caffeine here. So does Clay. Black Rifle Coffee keeps this show rolling. It's our go-to in the morning. Clay loves the mocha cold brew. Comes in cans. Absolutely delicious. I'm a hot guy, so I brew my own Black Rifle at home. It's absolutely delicious. With every purchase you make, they give back to law enforcement, veteran, and first responder causes. The best way to enjoy this coffee is with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. So go join today. Purchase at BlackRifleCoffee.com and use code CLAYANDBUCK. That's one word, CLAYANDBUCK, at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use code Clay and Buck at checkout for 20% off BlackRifleCoffee.com. This is a guy who's basically an authoritarian gas station attendant, okay? With some legacy nuclear weapons from the old Soviet Union. They, their whole society is hollowed out except for that energy. And so if you want to hit them, 
hit him at the gas pump. Hit him, hit him with energy. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. That was the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, taking some shots at Vladimir Putin and bringing up something that is really at the center of this from the U.S. perspective. How much can we do? What should we do in response to the invasion of Ukraine? Just as an update right now on what's going on, uh, the capital of Kiev is increasingly coming under Russian uh airstrike and artillery and missile strikes and so that's likely to continue some are saying there might be a true siege of the capital city as russian forces continue to move into the country keep in mind it's only a small portion of the russian forces that have already been pre-positioned for this invasion that have been deployed casualties are going up civilian casualties going up with each passing day this fighting looks to be getting worse uh, and it does not seem that there is any imminent negotiation going on. So now we turn to what is the U.S. and Western response of this going to be? What levels are we willing to take it to? And you had Ron DeSantis there talking about the energy sector and how we have put sanctions, we meaning the West generally, but America specifically, on Russia, Clay, in order to create economic pressure. And the ruble has fallen and the stock market is tanking over there and they're, they're they're feeling it, but they're not feeling it at an, at an economic existential level. Like we won't be able to pay our bills, no milk in the store, no bread on the shelves level. Um, instead, we have carved out their energy sector and said, well, we're not going to hit that. And here is Saki, White House press secretary, trying to tell everybody, well, that's because it would have big impacts on us here at home if we were to do that play. We have taken steps. Um, we have not taken some steps on uh, energy sanctions, uh, in part because we weigh that. Um, that doesn't mean they're, out, they're off the table. That remain They remain on the table. But Europeans, for example, are very concerned about further price spikes on, on gas in particular. Their prices have gone up 335% over the last Yes, over the last year and 26% over the last five days. So sanctioning energy would affect Russia's income stream. Certainly that would be a reason to do it, but it would also have extreme consequences on the world energy markets, particularly for our allies in Europe. So I use that as an example because we have to weigh all of the factors as we uh, weigh whether to take additional steps. We have additional steps we could take, but we consider all of those factors as we make determinations. So, Clay, she's basically, she is actually just saying, well, yeah, we could hit Russia a lot harder economically, but that would hurt us, too, economically. Or that would cause an increase in gas prices. I think the Democrats realize this is a political vulnerability, which is why, more than anything else, although I'm sure they also don't want to see higher prices across the board, I think that they realize this is a problem for them going into the State of the Union, going into the midterm election as well. Well, people are going to start to put two and two together here. This isn't complicated. You can't be social justice warrioring on Twitter and saying, oh, look at what we're doing. We're pulling Russian vodka off of our shelves. We're not going to buy Russian vodka. Meanwhile, we are buying millions of barrels of oil. And the price of oil, literally, as we are speaking right now, has risen to the highest level since 2014, uh, over $100 a barrel. And... This is where the United States not maximizing its energy production, in particular in the oil and gas. For instance, Buck, I saw Senator Marco Rubio point out 
that we are producing over 1 million less gallons of oil per day, barrels of oil per day, than we were before Joe Biden took office. Well, why did that happen? Because of this whole Green New Deal energy process that they put in place. So you can't have it both ways. You can't social justice warrior for Ukraine and argue, hey, let's pour out all the Russian vodka and meanwhile be passing money directly to Russia for buying a million barrels of oil from Russia every day, which is what the United States is doing on average. That means we're giving Russia over $100 million a day while we're claiming that we are bringing to bear economic sanctions upon them. You're you know, fighting a battle with one arm behind your back, and when that is occurring, sooner or later, that dichotomy becomes apparent. If you are going to stand up to Russia, then you're going to have to bear the price of increased oil, or you're going to have to do what I think most people would agree listening to this program, you're going to have to produce the highest amount of oil that the United States possibly can in an effort to help to make up for what you're losing from Russia in terms of production. Here's Jen Psaki on this very issue this morning on Fox News talking about how the Keystone XL pipeline would take a long time to affect markets. We'll, we'll address this in a second. Listen. The president shares the concern about any impact on gas prices, on energy prices for the American people. And that's why a range of options remain on the table. He already recently tapped into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, just last fall, which had an impact. But I would say but the Keystone pipeline. Smart, it, but, but the impact, but, Jen, that was pretty. That was a. A blip. blip. Uh, you know, it was the, a 10 cents po- thing, but it doesn't last. But, Dana, the policies you mentioned, I, I know Senator uh, Senator Cotton and others have mentioned these, they, they are not policies that would address the issue at all. Uh, this Keystone Pipeline, it would take years for that to have an impact on prices. Obviously, there are a range of reasons why the president opposes it, but it wasn't functioning, isn't functioning. It would take years. Now, let, let, let's be honest about this. This is purely ideologically and emotionally driven for Democrats. The opposition, not just to Keystone XL, uh, well, but specifically in that case, because it doesn't stop the oil from the Canadian shale oil and shale sand or whatever. You know, I forget what the technical term for it is. It's going to get pumped either way. Right. They're, they're going to they're actually going to be using that oil regardless. So it doesn't change the emissions. It's just a question of whether the U.S. has a hand in it or not with the pipeline. But, Clay, they're hostile to fossil fuel across the board. They're hostile to exploration, to exploration on federal land. They make it more difficult for the energy sector. They talk about shutting down. They brag about shutting down aspects of the energy sector. So, yeah, it it would affect things maybe in a few years. But the point is they're on the wrong side of the issue because we still live in a world that runs on fossil fuel. And then you just stop acting like idiot children who can't see that. Well, and everybody is going to slowly realize this, that you can't have sanctions or an embargo against Russian goods and carve out a massive exception that allows the Russian economy to continue to flourish in many ways, right? So this is the essence of what is going on, uh, and it's fundamentally directly contradictory. You can't sanction a country and argue that you're going to bring them to their knees economically while you are simultaneously sending them $100 million a day in oil money. It doesn't add up. Either you have to provide real sanctions without this massive loophole, or or you have to figure out, maybe both, but certainly you have to figure out a way to make up for the oil that right now we are sending money to Russia for 
and produce that oil and gas ourselves. Energy independence, not only for the United States, but also being able to sell that to all the other countries that are otherwise purchasing oil themselves. That's the essence of the issue, and that's what more and more Americans, I think, are going to see as this process plays itself out. Right now, a lot of Americans suffer from debilitating and disabling pain. You can only grin and bear it for so long. How about trying a new solution from our friends at Relief Factor? 15 years of scientific research. Look, this is a 100% drug-free product. It addresses joint pain, knee, hip, back, neck, and shoulder pain. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. About 70% of them go on to order more. If you're currently in pain and you had a 7 in 10 chance to eliminate it, those are pretty good odds. What do you have to lose? Well, Joseph from New Jersey took a shot, shared his story with us. He was in pain for years after a van hit him when he was crossing a street in New York City. Taking Relief Factor, he said, felt good and helped him feel much better for the first time in years. He could play with his kids again and even do yard work. For him, it was like he had gotten his life back. You can join the more than half million people and order the three-week quick start today for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-4-RELIEF to get the $19.95 three-week quick start developed specifically for you. That's relieffactor.com, or you can call 800-4-RELIEF-RELIEF-FACTOR. Feel the difference. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear. 
navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we are rolling through all the issues of the day. State of the Union coming up this evening with Joe Biden. Coming up at the top of the next hour, Buck and I will give you a prediction of the talking points that Joe Biden will bring to bear in what is likely to be a very difficult uh, State of the Union to uh, to pull off, given that the State of the Union is not very strong. And I don't know if you saw this, Buck, but uh, the numbers that came out in the most recent Civ IQ uh, poll, this came out this morning, and it's, it's I think, emblematic of the fact that it's occurring right now. Um, new Civ IQ-S uh, poll. Joe Biden's job approval has fallen now to 35% with a 55% disapproval rate. Independents are approving of Joe Biden right now at a rate of 23%. Let me repeat that again. The independent voter approval rating for Joe Biden, 23%, 64% disapproval. And in the Senate battleground states, Buck, you and I have talked quite a bit about flipping the Senate back to Republican control. Joe Biden's approval rating right now in the state of Georgia, 32%. Herschel Walker has to win. Whoever is the uh, Republican nominee for the governorship has to beat Stacey Abrams. Arizona, 34% approval. Pennsylvania, 34% approval. Nevada, we talked with Adam Laxalt, uh, who is running for Senate there, 35% approval. Wisconsin, 38%. I mean, these numbers are unlike anything we have ever seen for a Democratic president, especially because we know the polls tend to be biased in his favor, and they're still this bad. Obama was polarizing early on with policies, right? Obama was effectively giving the left and the more socialist wing of the Democrat Party what it wanted in his first term. Obamacare obviously became the huge fight, but you could see how, you know, Republicans and and maybe even independents, although we'd have to go back and look at the numbers, were very opposed to him. But he was delivering for Democrats, right? That's a very important component of what he was doing early on in his term. Wasn't a good idea, bad for the country. Ever knows how I feel about that, and you feel about that, but that's not the point. The point is, he was delivering for Democrats. Fast forward to Joe Biden, Clay. He's not delivering for anybody. This is the big challenge that we we see for this administration. It's not just he has done things, right? Obamacare polarizing, you know, 50-50 or 52-48 or whatever the numbers were, depending on when you looked at them early on. 
with Joe Biden, nobody likes inflation. Right? I mean, nobody yes. likes high crime rates. Nobody wants a war in Europe. Nobody wants a disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. Even the left sees this stuff and goes, look, you know, they want you know, they want their socialism, their big government. They want the big spending Biden agenda. They want all this stuff. But he hasn't even delivered for the base. He's refused to turn back toward the sanity of the center and do what's best for the country. He's not pulling a Clintonian triangulation yet, but he can't even say to them, hey, guys, back me up. I'm giving you everything you want. I've got the Biden agenda through. I'm giving you the Green New Deal. I'm getting amnesty through the Senate or whatever. You know, he's doing the bare minimum in terms of accomplishing what the socialists want on the left. And at the same time, everybody who's just looking at this objectively, which is why the independent numbers, I think, are so clear, Clay, are saying they got nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to point to here. 23 percent independent approval. And this is the underlying reason why all of a sudden COVID has vanished because and we'll talk about this when we come back at the top of the next hour. I want you as we go into this break and start to think about it. What is the pitch for Joe Biden? Did you see yesterday? I'm sure you did, Buck. The video of Biden walking it looked like he was saying, don't fall down, don't fall down. Like as he walked across the White House grounds by himself in that oversized, ridiculous black mask that he's been wearing for a couple of years now. Outdoors, nobody within 100 feet of him, he's wearing a mask. Tonight, in the House chamber for the State of the Union address, he's not going to be wearing a mask. So for all those people out there who are screaming, oh, we're the party of science, we're going to take COVID seriously, how do you explain Joe Biden in that big oversized mask walking by himself? And Buck, honestly, it's difficult to watch Joe Biden even walk because I legitimately expect for him to fall at any point. He is that frail. Certainly, we've seen him already fall down going up the stairs on his uh, on his Air Force One uh, stair climb. When he's walking across, I saw somebody, it might have been our buddy Jesse Kelly, say that Biden was walking like he was trying to pretend he wasn't drunk after being out you know, golfing all day, and he's coming back home, and he knows his wife is looking at him you know, out the window, and he's trying to walk. I mean, he walked like SpongeBob SquarePants if you have kids, and now suddenly he's not going to have a mask on uh, at tonight's State of the Union. What's going on there? How can the party of science say mask up outdoors literally yesterday and today they're going to say, well, you no longer need a mask indoors? This is the national version of what you described. And I've seen this elsewhere in New York. I mean, it was it was the phasing in of the vaccine yeah. passports. But in, in Vegas, when you said you saw them, oh, yeah, you could you were smoking cigarettes pounding tequila by the way people at cpac came up to me a few of them with tequila recommendations do i do i talk a lot about my love for tequila <laughs> well i on the think show? i pointed out that because of your celiac uh, yeah yeah you can only have certain types of uh of liquor basically and so wine and tequila on. yeah but people now, are yelling for people out. out there who don't remember this i landed with my wife in las vegas in july we went to the hotel casino and for the first three hours that we were in las vegas you could live it up in the casino. You could shop in the shopping malls. At midnight, they legitimately were walking around passing out masks saying, you now have to have a mask on inside of the casino. 
fine up till that moment, then they hand them to you. This is the, the this is that situation. This is the nationwide version of that. It is obey peasants. Put your oh, actually, in this case, take your you can take your masks off, yeah, which but it is was, at least the right on. result. But, but the point being, it's all a sham. If you are not able, if you're fine taking the mask off today, then how was it not safe yesterday? I just want to remind everyone, I started saying early on in the pandemic that mask shamers were the worst people in the country, worse than people who take up two parking spots in the parking lot because they don't know what they're doing. Worse than people who don't put the cart away. They leave it out there to bump into your car. Mask shamers, the worst people in the country. Damn straight. They absolutely are. Um, we're going to come back in here in a second with our preview. Clay's going to lead us into what are they going to say tonight? How are they going to try yes. to sell this, particularly on the economy? I mean, you know, maybe you need a little inflation, right? Maybe a little inflation uh, makes you appreciate the little things in life. I don't know. Mr. Magoo Biden's got some thoughts. We'll talk about it. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. On the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 